As the clock ticks down to zero in the state title game, your Kittitas Coyote boys basketball team wins their third straight state title. There is the horn. Let the celebration begin for the Ellensburg High School girls basketball team, who are your 2023 WIAA 2A state champs, concluding their second straight undefeated season. Davis Spencer in the windup and the 1-2 pitch on the way. And strike three! And your Ellensburg Bulldogs are the 2018 state champs, continuing their dominance with the third state title in the last five years. This is Justin McKee, your voice of the Ellensburg Rodeo, and you're listening to the Kittitas Valley Sports Talk Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Eric, John, and Sammy. Well, welcome back to another episode of your Kittitas Valley Sports Talk Podcast. I'm Eric Sorensen, joined by Sammy Henderson and John Goodout. Coming from you live from the Evergreen Home Loan Studio. Give him a call, 509-312-0452. And this episode is brought to you by Country Companies Insurance, the Devin Shannon Agency on the road of, you think I'd remember that by now, but uh, Third, Third and Pearl. Third and Third Pearl. And Pearl. Go check Third them out. Pearl. Big yeah, window. If you're going to get a home loan with me, then you got to get home insurance with him. Dang right. Basically. Yeah. Package deal. All encompassed deal with both the companies to go. support that support the Kid S Valley Sports Talk. Yeah. Guys, we're fired up to be back for another episode. A lot's happening. Yes. We're in that fun playoff transition period, the winter sports. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep this kind of brief because we have some two pretty awesome interviews today. That's right. For our episode. Big week following up our basketball preview episode released on Monday. But uh, welcome back. Yeah. And we had some basketball happen. We had some football happen. Mm -hmm. We had some state happen. There's a lot that went on. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of stuff that went on. Yeah. Let's just let's roll right into state volleyball. Yeah. Um, Ellensburg, uh, Ellensburg girls volleyball team mm-hmm. finished fifth in the state. Yeah. Got tripped up in the in the second round by Ridgefield. Mm-hmm. We ended up going to the state final. Yeah. Did they win it or were they just in it? They second. They they, they, yeah. they got yeah. second. So you you lost to the second place team in the state. Right. Um, I mean fifth in the two A. Pretty darn. <laughs> and bring him pretty... and bring him back some, yeah. some good mm-hmm. talent for next year. And they're they're tall. They're they're very tall. So it's, I would say it'd be good for a while. I would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the kind of scouting we have at the Cadets Valley Sports Talk. That's right, right there. That's so right. Well, shout out to Coach Head Coach Jesse Stickle and, mm-hmm. and his staff on a, another amazing year. And again, looking forward to seeing them do it again next year. That's mm-hmm. right. I would I would assume they're going to be in a similar position to, to make another run at it. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And also going to be in a similar position probably year after year as the Clee Ellen Roslin girls uh, girls pardon me soccer team. Um, they also got tripped up in in the in the second round to mm-hmm. to end their season, but they ended the season in the top eight. Just an just year after year. I don't know what it is in the water there in the yeah. upper county, but those girls can play some soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so congratulations to them. And then, you know, to continue with the state, there was a couple of weeks ago, but one of our guests today uh, is Jeff Hashimoto, the, the uh, head coach of the boys and girls uh, Ellensburg cross country team. And, and the, both the boys and girls took third in the state. We're going to bring uh, coach Hashimoto on here in a few minutes to, to talk about that. So just year after year dominance of, of the Ellensburg program and, mm-hmm. And uh, so our hats are off to them, but he has a, he runs a heck of a program because anytime you get the numbers that he has, that means you're doing something right that some people can't do. Right. Exactly. When you're hitting a hundred kids turning out, even for a two way school at Ellensburg, I mean, that that's a lot. That's, yes, that's beyond a lot. Yeah. And he's, he's got a heck of a program. They're running that, 
to get that kind of turnout. It's pretty cool, and we're going to hear hear a lot more of it straight mm-hmm. from from the head coach. And I'm excited to talk to him. I haven't, I'm excited to talk to him about my son. That's the most important That's thing. That's right. I'm a, yes, my son's taking his science class and is doing remarkably well. That's awesome. <laughs> Who knew? Does he make them run in science if they don't do their homework? I haven't heard that yet. That'd be awesome. But I'd be, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. 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 He can slap my kid around for all I care. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody. Nope. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're, are we, we don't have to cover it a lot, but Central... Yep, Permian Basin. We talked about it a lot prior mm-hmm. to this episode, so we have to hit it. Wasn't awesome, you know, for the Wildcats. If it, it wasn't for some turnovers quarter, in the first half, I the think first half was awesome. It'd be a little bit different, mm-hmm. but we got um, everything that went right in the second quarter and and the late first and early in the all the second quarter. Mm-hmm. The exact top opposite happened in in the. In the second half. Right, because yeah. you walk into halftime like 14-14. All right. We and momentum. A, and momentum. It you feels know. good. And then it just did not. That Permian Basin team. <laughs> darn good. I'll tell you what. My text string gave me everything I needed to know. You I, have, I was coaching soccer over on the west side. And I come back. I kid you not. 96 messages. Yeah. I said, what is going on? Such and a football game going and on. And I go and I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay. Well, I'm following the whole thing right here. Play That's by play. Needed. Got caught up by the end of it. It was a great stream. I think they brought in a professional service to do the video. Well, I heard somebody mentioned how good, you know, do they have a good stream? And they're like, well, this big country guy that's uh, on the D2 board, so we got to really get a good stream on here for him because he's asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) The guy that didn't realize how many people were actually listening because our stats were flawed. Yeah. (laughs) We got a pretty good following. And I'm, yeah. Apologize to any D2.com guys I might have offended last week. (laughs) Sorry about that. But I got approved for the board. So, hey, there you go. (laughs) I tell you what, though, the best way to get over a loss is the next game. And we are in the playoffs. Yes. I'm filling Uh, out my bracket right here. uh, That's right. Uh, I've already got our bracket, uh, my bracket done. Obviously, I got Central winning it all. We're going to be talking. That's our second guest uh, later on today is Alex McCrindle from the Gunnison Times. Gunnison. Which Gunnison, Colorado, which covers the uh, uh, Western Colorado University uh, Mountaineers. I was just going to ask, what's their name? Mountaineers. Mountaineers. That's fitting. They they have the highest field in all of NCAA at 77.23, I think, in elevation. Wow. So the air is a little bit thinner up there. I believe that's going to be one of those uh, stats that you can't really put a stat on. Well, I just know that that means Kennedy McGill is going to throw the ball further. That's right. Yes. There you go. And Flanagan's going to be faster. That's right. And Volk will jump higher to right. get those. It, that would be his 12th pick. Advantage, advantage, advantage. That That's right. So, uh, you know, Western Colorado, they come in ranked, uh, I believe it, they're the top 10 in both the AFCA and the D2football.com polls. Um, it's a tall task. And their I only will, loss. I will fully admit it. Their only loss. Is school mines. Is the number one team in the But league, we were talking about in the, this. In the land. Right. To help, to help me it more feel, eloquently than I don't me. know if I can do it again, but do. but this is this is where I'm at. Okay, we got Colorado Mines eleven and zero. We got Permian Basin, and you know what I also hate about these things is they're showing all of our losses. Sorry, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. What didn't like that? Didn't like that. Made, gave us a bad look. Mm-hmm. And so Permian Basin's got their one loss, and you know they 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 took us to the woodshed. To the shed is that the right word? Woodshed. Woodshed. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they That's took us honest. out back. You know, we'll take our lumps. Blah blah blah. Right. Yeah. Kind 14, of, uh, kind of like they were like, "This is our conference," and I'm like, "Okay, well." That's the way to beat us if you want to. If you want to take it, and Colorado Mines did the same thing to Western Colorado. So 
in my mind, I'm like, it's it's possible. Western Colorado isn't as good as their ranking puts them out to be. So, you know, uh, I will fully admit, I might have stirred the pot on the old D2Football.com <laughs> message boards in terms of, like, people are And he is that, not sorry. What's that? And you are not sorry. Well, I'm going right. to say, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to admit this to my wife and daughters that I'm on the message boards all the time, right? No. Um, but... And I'm not on the message boards all the time, but when I am, you know, you want to make sure you you shine the spotlight on Central and the Lone Star Conference. And there's people on the RMAC that are saying, uh, the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference that are saying the Lone Star Conference is weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's people on the NSIC, you know, the, the, the Minnesota Conference, Northern Sun, that, you know, questions how good Central is, especially since we started the season, the second game of the season with the loss to right. a really good NAIA team. Who made the tournament. So I think that not much is expected from Central. You know what? And, and I, that's fine. And that's fine, too. Right. Why don't you win your games and get into the playoffs, and then we can talk about it. The mm-hmm. good thing <laughs> is, yeah, games are not won by yeah. keyboard warriors no. on message boards. Mm-hmm. You know, and it'll all be if if Permian Basin gets knocked out by Bemidji and, and we get beat by Western Colorado convincingly, then great, you can have a point. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot to be played with if Permian Basin goes in and takes this whole thing. From what I saw from Permian Basin, I do not see them losing to, right. to, and to what Bemidji if State. We give it to Colorado and per- – I mean, it – Lone Star will have their shot to to let everyone know what we're made of, and so Western, will everyone else. Yeah, Western Colorado, they get business done. Um, but if you if you look at it just from a stat sheet, so they beat West Texas A and M. So did we. Mm-hmm. They beat Permian Basin by one score. We lost to them by more than one. Let's be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Early uh, though, right? The, you know they they won every game they should have won, and and not many people expected them to be competitive against Mines, and and they weren't. I think Mines, to be honest with you, Colorado School of the Mines going in, they're number one in the region, number one in the nation. They're the I have of the them. Um, I have them in the final. In fact, I, I, I could you could convince me very easily that it would be. Mines versus maybe Grand Valley State, uh, which would be a, a right when they reseed this, if they reseed it, which they will when it gets to the final four. If yeah. those two make it across, there's no way that uh, so I, I mean, my crimson colored glasses has central win in it all. Anything can happen. I think we, we definitely are, are the underdog in, in, in any game that we would play, but. I don't. Where I was going with it is, is Colorado, Western Colorado, obviously a very good team. Nothing jumps out at me like on the on the season statistics, and that's what I was getting at. Because the same thing outside of Flanagan and Volk, which is like you got a good running back mm-hmm. and you have a good defender. It wasn't necessarily like our rushing game overall was yeah. amazing, or you know, there's nothing that jumps out. You'd be like, oh, this is what this team is about. Yeah, and so I'm hoping that that similarity of like, man, maybe we're in for another dogfight. Maybe yeah. we're in for just. A- I, I think so. Their their number one rusher rushes for 91 yards a game. Right. Their their quarterback throws for I think it's 202. That's not so. Much. We're not looking at a 180 yard rusher with two touches. We're not looking at a 350 yard passer. They don't have and but that to me tells me they just got 11 guys, nameless guys, that just go in and and play ball. So. Right. And, and that's not – that just to me shows me that they don't rely on just one person to win a game. To me, that says, hey, you got a complete team. You're not going to put 
everybody on your running backs back. We're going to make plays when we need to make plays. And they probably play solid defense. They got You got defensive numbers up there? Uh, I will in one second. I, I appreciate you Because typically me. with those offense numbers, I'll be honest, talking about those offense numbers, it doesn't look amazing. Uh, like anything that would jump out to be like, oh, I'm, I'm really worried about them. So I'm guessing their defense has to be pretty stout for... They they do so in eleven games they had thirty three sacks. That's that's three point three. That's pretty good. Yeah, I would I would say that pretty well. Um, let's see in their um, uh, in their interceptions. Uh, Tanner Volk has the same amount of interceptions as the entire Western Colorado <laughs> team. Um, let me let me look at uh, in uh, tackles here. Not really. Nobody is amongst the. Uh, they got their their leading tackler is is Kendall Lightfoot, who's eighth in the RMAC. So it looks like they just have a bunch of guys that all share the load on on tackles. Right, ball um, control. You know, in in uh, it's same thing with with uh, with fumbles. Uh, that I think that's where, I think that's where they're, they they force mistakes. I, right. I can see that they're leading. Well coached sound. Yeah. I don't know. Let's just play sixty minutes. Let's go play some football and go get Let's a W. Let's go play some football. The <laughs> the game uh is at eleven o'clock our time. Okay. So it's a noon kickoff there in Gunnison, Colorado at seventy seven hundred uh feet in elevation. They just like literally it's almost like the concrete is still curing. They just <laughs> finished uh completely redoing the mountaineer bowl oh my goodness uh so uh, beautiful place it looks really cool uh so they've completely redone they still have a track around it but all new turf brand new track brand new uh seating on both sides of the ball it looks like uh everything is brand new and they also have like uh um, locker rooms, field houses, uh, kind of alumni, kind of, kind of like they have their version of our alumni berm as well, but they're building. So I wonder if we have any, uh, central, like, because it's the NCAA, you know, we're going to get a chartered flight. We're going to get hotels. I wonder if we can get in earlier than typical, mm-hmm. you know, that adjustment, you know, like fighters and football teams will go like a week in advance well, or we, two weeks in advance to right. get used to stuff like that. We're recording this on a Wednesday uh, afternoon. I really hope they're on the plane tomorrow morning. Me too. And I hope that we got oxygen tanks on the side. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I hope there's something that we can we can do to uh, to help offset that because it truly it truly is. You talk to any athlete that goes plays at elevation, it is a different experience. It is. Doesn't it matter is. how hard you train, you go up there, you get it get, hits you differently. The one thing that uh, the one interesting interesting to me historical fact about uh, central and western colorado we've never played each other before mm-hmm. uh the one link um i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out a name here jeff zenizek oh heard that before central uh you know uh he was our he led us to the naia national title in 1995 used that as a uh, to be i believe it was the defensive coordinator for uh northern iowa uh, D1AA or FCS, whatever you want to call it, D1AA then. And then he became the head coach of Western Colorado. Uh, um, so And he now is. And he's now leading the charge at Ellensburg High School. Boom. All comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Everything comes back to Ellensburg. Dang Everything right. comes back Center to Center of the universe. Including and wins, the state. Including <laughs> victories. Nailed it. Nailed it. So, yeah. 
So we will uh, we will get Alex from the Gunners and Times here um, after our interview with with uh, Hashimoto and and uh, um, looking forward to some great uh, interviews with Coach Hashimoto and and Alex there uh, McCrindle at the uh, Gunners and Times. We got to say one more shout out, one more shout out to the uh, uh, Central Volleyball. They're in the eighth spot uh, with the uh, rankings, the regional rankings this week. Dropped a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we need, we're going up to Bellingham, to Western. Final two mm-hmm. games. And we're going up to the friendly confines of Burnaby. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, to take on Simon Fraser. I think we have to sweep that one 100%. in order to guarantee our, our spot. To guarantee sweep. I'm Gotta just, win one to, to give yourself a chance. I'm volunteering to go to regionals because the number one seed is Chaminade. You know, oh, what? unfortunately their town just burnt down, but yeah, we, I'd be willing to go cover that. Yeah. You'd be willing to go in, cover that. In Shamanaz and Hawaii. I'm sure we're going to have the same <laughs> amount of people who paid for our trip to Permian Basin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, offer that we'll up. They also to have to pay, pay for, for me to ride to with the dolphins. But yeah. 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 Dolphins, the <laughs> yes. submarine ride, all stuff. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We'll be back. We're going to roll in with our uh, interview with Coach, and then we'll go right in with our second interview. And That's right. Wrap this thing up. So There you go. Hope you guys enjoy it. We'll be back. After this, well, we are back, and as promised, we have Ellensburg High School cross country coach Jeff Hashimoto here with us. Uh, coach is uh, blessing with us, blessing us with his presence. I guess you could say over the phone. Four years ago, coach, we talked to you after uh, a heck of a finish uh, for the girls and boys, and and yet another fin- another quality finish for the teams this year. Third place, uh, both in the the boys and girls uh, state final and uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So kind of give me an idea. I mean, I'm looking at, uh, you know, stats and times and splits and, and everything like that, but take me through, you know, just the season in general and how that culminated there at, at uh, Pasco at Sun Willows golf course. Uh, you know, how did the, how did the season go and, and did state, go pretty much like what you planned? Well, I think, I think we got to start even farther back because uh, after we talked in 2019, especially on the boys side, we had a lot of kids graduate and, but on the girls side too, we've, we've had a lot of the, I mean, well now all the people who are on those teams are gone and it's yep. been a whole, uh, a whole new group of kids. So on the boys side, we had, uh, and we had the COVID year and then in, 2021 we didn't qualify for state last year we qualified and got eighth and then this year moved up to third but it's a lot of those same kids who have been just working and improving over over those years um on the boys side on the girls side it's obviously a different group of kids they've been a little more consistent because we were third last year as well um fifth in 2021 um and uh, so we kind of the girls have have have, have been maintaining as a, a as a top five or a podium team through those years. But but it's been different kids kind of um, coming in and as kids graduate, other kids have stepped in to, to, to fill their place. So I think some of that begins. I mean, you don't you know when you when you when a team performs well at state, it's not something that starts that season. It's something that starts a lot of times years in advance. So mm-hmm. um, so a lot of these kids. And, and we had a great senior group in on on the boys side in in uh, 
uh, Max Steele and Jeremy Wallace and Caden Matson. And those guys have just been improving and improving over, over the years. And then we only had one senior on the girls team, Brooke Syme, and she, she actually is only in her second year running, um, but had a, a, a fantastic season, uh, great improvement over last year. Um, which uh, she she attributed she, uh, attributed it to learning to love to run and she mm-hmm. and and uh, in the first year in cross country she wasn't she came from track and is a 400 meter runner and she wasn't sure she really liked running 5k uh, and now she's actually realized that she likes it and um, and it, it, and it so that that performance is really uh, her performance has really improved so um, so anyway looking way back I mean the the that those, those athletes have put in time over not just one season, but over years. So, um, and then zooming in a little more on this season, I mean, I knew we were going to have a good team, um, on both boys and girls. Uh, and I think we got a lot better through the year. Uh, uh, and, and partly that's kind of the way that, um, that's kind of my training philosophy is a, a periodized training program where we kind of emphasize, their aerobic endurance, because I, I think that's the, the largest determining factor of, of, um, of distance running performance. And then we add on the, the, the speed work and the, and the, the more race specific stuff later on. And so they really see a big increase in their performance. And I think their performance reaches a peak that'd be higher than if we kind of trained the same way all the time. So we had some, I mean, we, we had some, good races early in the season, but I think the races just got better and better and better as the season went on. So, um, and at state, we had a lot of kids had really good performances at state. It was, a um, it was a nice day for a lot of kids to have their best race of the season or their life. Kind of give me an idea of, um, I don't, I don't know why I always fixate on it, but I'm, I'm looking at the results and I love to look at like the top five spread and, uh, your top five for the girls, they all finished within 51 seconds of each other. Top five for the boys were 48 seconds of each other, which the girls were like the the best clump of uh, uh, of uh, teammates, I guess you could say. And I think the only people who were fast, you know, who had a smaller uh, spread was that one team up in Seaholm, which seems to always win it all, it seems like. But does that, am I overthinking that top five spread? To me, it looks really cool when there's five Ellensburg runners all within a few seconds of each other. Um, is that just one of those things where it just happens because with the type of talent you had, or is that kind of a strategy? Or am I just overthinking that, Coach? Well, no, I don't, I think, I think it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. I mean, it, it's, we don't always have that tight of spread and, uh, and, but it was really special this year on the, I think the girls had a little more of a tight spread in, in other years, but the guys, we've been a little more spread out. And this year, um, I mean, in a way, Jeremy, Mac and Caden haven't been that far apart through all four of their years of high school, but to have that other group of kids come in, um, from Joseph and Brody as juniors and Mystic and David as sophomores. And, um, and then there's a couple other kids who've been right there, uh, late Holmgren and Dan Sullivan, who were, um, one, two in that, in that district JV race. And they would have been on our state team last year with the times that they ran. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
so really that, that group of kids can, it's great. They can go run a workout together and a different person can lead every single interval, or we can go on a, a long run together and a different person can lead every half mile. And, uh, and, and they can, they can challenge each other and, and help each other get better. And it's, 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 it's really cool to have that grouping and have that, that, that kind of path. Um, on the girls side, they're a little, um, they're also able to work together during workouts. Um, they've kind of had that a bit in the past. Um, and, but we've had a little more of a spread. We've also had a few superstars like Kate Laurent, um, who, who, and Leah Holmgren who are kind of way out in front. Um, so it's, it's sometimes when you have someone who's way out on that, uh, you know, in, in, in that position to, to contend for a state title, sometimes that your spread becomes a little bit larger, but mm-hmm. I guess the magic is to have a really tight spread where everyone is right in the, uh, you know, contending for a state title themselves. Right. Rarely right. I get it. Talk to me about that, that course, uh, back in my running days, I'm familiar with that Sun Willows golf course to me. I always thought it was a, a fan friendly course to, to be able to, you know, watch races and everything. Do you see many of those types of, golf course kind of courses or, or, uh, is, was Sun Willows, is that something different than you see, uh, versus the, the other courses you see during the season? Well, in terms of being fan friendly, it, I mean, it, it, it's fairly fan friendly, but it's, it's because it's state, I think there's a little more like closed off areas and things than well, a lot of invites. A lot of the invites we go to, it's really easy to, to watch. I only say fan friendly just because I remember watching my brothers run, and I would just, I would just run whether I was able to go into the closed portions or not. So maybe I'm looking at it a little bit differently. But uh, um, yeah, anyway, well, what it, kind it, of a course is that it, compared to what you see? Yeah, yeah, and it, it it's more fan friendly in the past three years than it was before. We made some changes to the course so that it does, um, it does. It, it, it just loops by the spectators, which is great because if someone's grandparents or someone who's not as mobile is there to watch their family member run, uh, it used to be they could only see them maybe three times, but now they can see them a lot more. So, mm-hmm. so it's, 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 it's a great course to watch, uh, watch kids run on. Um, the thing about that course that's really unique, it's quite hilly, or it's not unique about it, but the thing about it, it is quite hilly. It has a lot of rolling hills. And so we, we practiced for that in a couple of ways. We have a, um, we run a lot at North Alder park, which has, uh, kind of the little manufactured Hills there, but it's just, when you, when you run, I I have a loop around that park that just kind of tries to go up and down all the, all the Hills in that park as much as possible. So, um, so kids are always having to switch between running up, running down, running on a flat and back into another uphill. And state has a a lot of that, just a lot of rolling Hills. And, and, uh, before we discovered that park or before that park was made, cause it's a pretty new park. Um, there wasn't as good a place to simulate that. And actually you mentioned sea home. One of, uh, I mean, I'm good friends with the coaches there and one of them was passing through Ellensburg and he went for a run and he passed by this park, North Alder park. And he said, wow, this would be a great place to simulate the state course. I wonder if, if, uh, if the Ellensburg kids run there and he sent me a text and said, Hey, I re- do you guys run at this North Alder park? And I was like, you bet. <laughs> so, Um, but so we try to simulate that and then the state course is hilly. So, I mean, the, the other thing about, about Ellensburg, we got Craig's Hill, but it's not really a very hilly place. So this year I made up a little loop, which I don't think the kids like that much, but it's a, it's just like a mile and a half loop that kind of goes up and down Craig's Hill a whole bunch. And, 
it's kind of boring because <laughs> if you're going to go run that loop four or five times, it's like it's the same thing again and again. But I, I, I explained to him, I said, hey, look, you know, we, we're getting ready for state. We gotta, we've always got to be ready to run hills. Hills, hills have got to be part of our DNA, not, you know, and, and we just, we don't even have to think when we're running hills. It's like right. your body's have to be used to it. And they, they bought into that and we're, they, they never complained about doing that loop, you know, even if it wasn't the most exciting run in the world. Can we talk about um, the teams you saw? Uh, it seems like, uh, um, you know, except for the 2019 season, the state title goes through Seaholm. Uh, that seemed to be the case again. What is it about? And, you know, you got Seaholm, you got Anna Cordes, uh, Bellingham, I think. What, what is it about the, the northwest of the state that, is there something in the water there? What what kind of programs? Um, and it looks like on on the boys' team, all seven of them come back. Um, what is that like? Is that exciting to compete against that? Because you know, if you're gonna, you know, you're gonna see them, or is that is that frustrating? Or again, am I overthinking it as a dad who's well past <laughs> his prime? Oh, I think uh, I think it's good. I mean, it's uh, so so. First of all, why are they so good up there? I think one reason that they are good is because there are a lot of good coaches. Running is something that that community really values. Bellingham's a huge running community. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, a lot of kids grow up thinking that they want to be runners. Um, and, uh, and then just your competition at every single league meet is going to be tough. I mean, you don't go to a league meet thinking that it's ever going to be easy because every, every school there is really good. Mm-hmm. And so they, they raise each other up. Um, I was talking to, to Cole Kanyer about this today and, and, and for state qualifying there, actually the two A was significantly harder to qualify for state in than three A or four A. Um, and the, the last individual qualifier in, 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 three uh, A was like seventeen ten or so in two A or four A, it was like 1645, but in two A it was 1607. It was significantly harder to qualify for state, both as an individual or as a team from that part of the state. So I think, I mean, Spokane had a period where the Spokane teams were totally dominant. And, and I think sometimes those schools really help raise each other up, which is also why it's great to have good competition, um, you know, close at hand. So uh, I think, I think that those are some of the reasons great coaching a community that values running and then those schools compete against each other and just set a high standard that they all, they all aim for. Let's talk about moving into, you know, the off season. Um, I don't know technically how much contact you can actually have with them as a, you know, uh, in your coaching role, but do you help the, the kids with, with off season training? Um, do you say go play another sport or get a little bit of rest or what is, what does November through February look like before track season starts? Well, it's kind of, it's kind of all of the above. So a lot, I I tell all of them, they should take some time off and take, take some rest, both a a physical and a mental rest. Any kid who's been dealing with an injury needs to just give their body a chance to recover. But even the kids who have been running really well, a lot, they just, they're young and they need a a physical rest. I mean, even professional athletes need a, a physical break as well. So, so I tell them to take a break. If they're going to play another sport, a lot of them have started up basketball or wrestling. That's great. I tell them they should just go all in on that sport. Um, once we get to after Thanksgiving, we'll start 
winter running, and that's uh, WIA allows uh, a, a conditioning program. So, um, so the winter running is really informal, though. It's not an attendance-required thing, and, and a lot of it is that kids can, if they want to go for a run, they just know that there's other people who are going to go for a run at that time. So I'll, I'll make a suggested training calendar for them, but I give them a lot of warnings that, like, I don't know how they're feeling that day. I don't know if it just snowed 12 inches. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't, there's a lot of things that I don't know. So sometimes they have to be ready to take it with, with a grain of salt. Um, but I'll give them a training program because a lot of them want that. Um, and and it, it just makes it easier for them if they're like, okay, school gets out at 2.20. If I show up at 2.35, then, uh, and I can look on that calendar, it tells me to go run for 40 minutes and that's what I'm going to go do. And so some, a lot of them like that, that certainty of a, uh, of a schedule. So, so that's what we do over the, the winter time. Um, and, uh, then track and a lot of, a lot of the kids will do track. Not everyone does track. Um, but a lot of them will do track and run distance. Some of them will do track and do another event, which is great too. Some of them play soccer or tennis or golf or something else. So that's fine too. Baseball. Um, and then, uh, and then in summer, I'm excited about the summer. Partly we just wrapped up, so I tried to throw some summer dates out to, to things. So one thing that I've, I've got to get uh, approved for the school board um, is to go volunteer at the Olympic trials, which will be in Eugene. Um, and we did that back in 2016, and it took, a, it took about 10 kids down, and, 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 uh, and we, we had an amazing experience down at Hayward Field and, and getting to watch these events, but also – helping to put them on and it was, uh, it was really special. So I'd like to do that again this summer if we, if we can. That'd be amazing. Uh, coach Sammy here. I was, uh, I can attest to the hard work that the kids put in. I live up on radio Hill and my drives from past Valley view on fending and all over. I see them in groups all throughout the year. If there's no ice on the ground, like they're running and running, it looks like they're having a good time. And my son did eighth grade, uh, seventh and eighth grade cross country. And I just, I was impressed by the community that cross country, the culture of cross country in general. What is it specifically um, about your program um, that 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 you do to help embrace that love for running and enjoying each other while they do it? Uh, well, first of all, I think I think it's been you've been pointed out to me there, Sammy. The kids uh, on on at least several runs have tried to get as many cars to honk at them as possible. And I think you gave us a honk one. Um, we're going to work and, on that. And we're, we're, as we're running by someone pointed out, Hey, that's uh, that's Sam Henderson's dad. Yeah. Uh, so, so thanks for the, thanks for the support there. Um, and uh, I think one of the things that, I mean, we, I, I haven't talked about yet, but this, this was a huge team this year. So we've been, in the kind of between 80 and 90 athletes for probably almost 10 years, but we were down a bit during COVID when we had the February season down at about 55 this year, for whatever reason, we, we were at 110 athletes. Um, That's and insane. so it was a huge, a huge group of kids, which was fantastic. And, you know, obviously we're talking about the varsity kids so far, but we have a fantastic group of JV kids. Um, the, a couple days before state, we try to, uh, do some fun things for the JV kids. Now, those are dates that they're not required to come to practice. I mean, their season is essentially over, but a lot of those kids, they want to come. And we had, um, we had 16 kids go out and run, uh, they, they decided that 
they want to do a half marathon and run 13.1 <laughs> miles. So they, they, 16 kids go do that. And another, another bunch of them run 10 miles. And, right. um, and so, and those are, those are, those are, you know, those are the JV kids. And so they're having that love of running. It's really, um, it's, it's, it's really cool to, to, to see that. And I think part of that part of it is to, to value everyone's journey in, in running. Um, and you know, whether they're running, you know, 15 minutes or 30 minutes, uh, just, just valuing that. And I think if you only value the kids who are your, your varsity kids, then, then you're missing an opportunity because really, I mean, we're educators. And so I, I think those kids who are, who run four years and are always JV, those kids can have a fantastic experience. And I want those kids to have a fantastic experience as part of a team, as part of finding their own limits, um, and developing a, a lifelong love of running. So, um, I think that's part of the, part of it. And then it also, if you have that many people out running, you know, there are going to be, you know, kids who, who do have that gift who end up, um, and, and then also get bitten by the, the love of, the love of it and and those kids are going to perform really well so uh coach i i as a former jv cross-country runner i i know exactly what you're talking about because i've never been a part of a group that was so like welcoming and then accepting i mean i would say some of my greatest moments in high school were in the middle of like a seven to ten mile run uh you know you're just you're just amongst like-minded people and very supportive environments. So that's good to see that that community is alive and well at Ellensburg. And we had a pretty good team. I, I graduated in the mid nineties at Fedaway. We had a pretty big team, but nowhere near 110 or whatever number you said. I mean, that's, uh, that's, I, I don't even know how you, how do you coach that? How do you get, yeah. I mean, that's like, <laughs> I think, I think it's also, it's a testament also to the program that they're running at Morgan is that yeah. they get kids that come out. Like my son is not a runner. He doesn't run. I wasn't when a he said either, he wanted to do cross to. country. I was like, what? You're yeah. going to do what? And he did it for two years and he loved it. And so I think it's just a testament. Like we talk about Bellingham and Seahome building that community of running. I think it's happening right here in Ellensburg. Oh, I think it's, it's oh, obvious. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Coach. Yeah, and that that's that gives me a chance to do a couple shout-outs. So, first of all, to Coach Rosen at the middle school. Mm-hmm. He just does an awesome job. And I think he's been uh, – I mean, he's just such a, a great contributor to the community of, of running. Um, Josh Matson does a youth running program, um, which is for kids that are younger than middle school and just makes it super fun. So kids get introduced in a way that's like games and fun and, and, and develop that run, love of running. Um, so a re- really big thank you to, to those guys for, um, for, for doing that at the younger level. But then you also mentioned, you know, how do we deal with 110 kids? Well, we have, I have, I have a bunch of great coaches who, who work with me. So a huge thanks to all the assistants that, that I have. So, um, Josephine, uh, Camarillo, Josh Abel, Gabby Lindell, uh, and Emily Yoder. And then this year with so many kids, we had a whole bunch of, um, kind of put a call out and got a bunch of assistant coaches or volunteer coaches who it's kind of a pain to be a volunteer coach because you have to go <laughs> through all the same like for certifications and trainings and all that stuff. And then you're out there, but you just don't get paid. But, um, so, uh, we had, um, Kathy Charlton, we had Josh Matson, Mac Wood, 
Jared Vallejo, um, Lisa Berthon, and Wyatt Mullings. And so all those people were just helping so we could just make sure that everyone is getting attention because with that many kids, I don't want people to slip through the cracks and, and having an adult who's looking after each kid is really important and just keeping everyone safe and, and, you know, understanding what they're supposed to be doing on any given workout, um, uh, is great. So just a huge thank you to all those people who are, 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 are making it happen. Um, couldn't, I couldn't do it at all without them. Coach, can we, I, I, I agree with you and, and we will definitely echo that shout out. Um, to your crew i don't want to say staff i mean crew to me sounds more uh all-encompassing of of what everybody's what everybody's role is in in the in the program let's transition a little bit uh if you don't mind and i'm gonna i'm gonna force you to talk about uh talk about yourself and and uh your your good friend uh langdon who so i saw this article uh uh in the Yakima Herald, I want to say, I don't know, it was a month or two ago. And so you scaled, is it the Bulger list? Bulger list? That's Washington's. The Bulger list, yeah. So it's the 100 highest peaks in Washington. And you did um, it without some, the, basically without fossil fuels to get there. I mean, so this is, I mean, truly 100% manpower. Uh, can you kind of tell me a, a little bit about this and, and what the motivation was for it? Well, there's, there's a couple motivations. Uh, the first, first motivation. So when I first moved to Ellensburg, I saw Mount Stewart on the skyline and I thought I should go see if I could ride my bike to that mountain and climb it. <laughs> and so I did that. And, 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 and that has been, uh, and then rode back and, that has been a trip that people have asked me about for like the last 25 years. Um, and pe- there's something about that that's got kind of a poetry to it. Um, and, uh, and so I was kind of thinking about what would be like a really challenging adventure. What's something that hasn't been done before. And then the other motivation is just concerned about climate change. I, I mean, I've traveled to, to, um, to other continents to climb mountains. And so I think in, you know, in, in my own recreation and my own selfish, uh, pursuit of, of, um, adventure, I've, I've definitely emitted a lot of carbon dioxide. So, um, you know, the other motivation was to do something that was, that was not contributing to climate change and, and have an adventure that, that was both really challenging and also, um, makes a statement about, about, um, or tries to, to be, uh, kind to our planet. So, um, so that was the origin of the idea. And, and as, as we thought about it at first, I, I, I was pretty sure it would, could be, could be done. Um, I wasn't sure if it could be done in the time frame that I had between the end of school. So school got out on a Friday. Um, I did a training camp for our team Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we left Monday morning at 6am. I got back the Sunday evening before the first cross country practice. So I <laughs> barely made it back in time. Um, and then, also, as part, we, we climbed 12 peaks in May, which we did um, basically on weekends that I didn't have track meets, or uh, one of them for Rainier and Little Tahoma. I actually got back from state track at about midnight and then left at about 6 the next morning um, for those and took a personal day on that Tuesday. So You say that um, so matter-of-factly. I'm going to interrupt you there. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if people really understand how blasé you made something impossible uh, sound. I mean, that's, 
Rainier and Tahoma, and then oh, I, I did take a personal day, <laughs> but I was. I mean, Coach, I need you to toot your horn a little bit louder there. But uh, well, um, well, I was gonna, I was gonna say related to that. I mean, it it wasn't blasé. I mean, it was it was hard, yeah, okay. and uh, and you. I think in a way, I I mapped out the the the, the itinerary and the schedule for the trip, and and Langdon and I worked together on routes, and then. And I was, I, I think I wrote something back in, in, um, uh, fall of, of 2022. And I was like, I'm pretty confident that I can do this trip, but I think it's just issues like fire closures and mm-hmm. weather that will be really the factors that decide it. And as we got going on the trip, I mean, it was, it was, it was harder than I thought it was going to be. And just the cumulative fatigue of, so pretty much we would wake up every morning at four 30, which is the time we called bulger time. Uh, because we pretty much want to be going as soon as it got light and, uh, and then we'd just go all day long, uh, and end up wherever we do as much as we can. And sometimes we'd finish at seven or eight or 9 PM. And sometimes it would be midnight and then pretty much repeat that day after day, all summer long. And, and there, there weren't really any easy days. Um, we, we kind of joked about that the days that we thought were going to be easy turned out not to be easy, or I had maybe not done quite as careful of route reconnaissance. And we, uh, instead of climbing one, you know, 2000 foot pass on the bike, there were actually three of them to climb before we got to the, got to the mountain we were going to climb or something like that. So, so it turned out to just, I mean, it, it was, it was definitely a challenge and, and, um, uh, you know, physically, mentally, um, and I mean, I talked to the team about that. It's like, what are the mental things that I use to help me get through? And that was something that, and how can you apply that to, to your own racing? Um, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, I mean, yeah, it was, I don't mean to sound blase about it cause it was, it was challenging. Well, I, I, I joke on the blase only cause my vocabulary is limited apparently, but <laughs> I know you, I know, I, I don't know it like you do, but I know that, uh, uh, I can only imagine the, 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 the mental, physical, emotional fatigue, spiritual too. You probably thought, what in the heck am I doing at 12 a.m. one one night? But so, you know, it go on this list that, um, that uh, in the article that Luke Thompson at the Yakima Herald wrote, you know, obviously everybody knows Mount Rainier, 14,411 feet, all the way down to the 100th highest peak, which was, Tupshin Peak, which I had never heard of, to be honest with you, um, at 8320. Obviously, you would think, oh, well, Mount Rainier, it's got to be the highest mountain, or it, it is the highest mountain, it's got to be the hardest one. Was there a mountain that was the hardest, um, or was there a, a a climb, a hike, or, or a mountain that really, really surprised you? Well, a lot of the, what made a mountain difficult this summer didn't have to do with the mountain itself, but had to do with our circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, and so some of the mountains that are kind of considered to be the hardest mountains went quite smoothly for us. And a couple of the mountains that are not considered to be that difficult were the ones that I would answer the most difficult. So I, I would put three of them as the most difficult for us but it had nothing to do with the mountains themselves. It had to do with our circumstances. Mm-hmm. The first one is called Snowfield Peak. And uh, Lane and I had picked up a, 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 a like, we our leading contestant is norovirus. Um, and, and we had taken a complete rest day when we just, or, or, which is really like a sick day. Um, and then the next day we headed up this peak. 
and I was not all the way recovered and just mm. felt awful. And even on the very end of that mountain on the way down, it's like a two mile downhill trail. I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly easy. And I had to stop on that trail just to like lie down for, uh, three different times in the last two miles. And when I got to the trail that I still had to bike 30 miles to get to the town where we're spending the night in Marble Mount where we could resupply. Oh, hold so on. My, that my, was, my no wife field was the, just went through this, the, the virus <laughs> that you're, he's talking about. Oh, yeah. really? And when I go back and explain to her <laughs> that you went and walked miles and rode a bike 30 miles through doing it, she's going to pass out just thinking about it. Cause she, there's, she could barely move from the bed to the bathroom. Wow. Yeah. So, so I'm shocked that we, you, at, at your ability to get through that. Yeah, that was, that was, that, that's what made, for me, that's my answer without a doubt. Oh, yeah. that, that was the hardest mountain. And then the other ones that were really hard for us, Baker was really hard because we climbed it in, in really bad weather. And so, uh, it was just really cold and windy and rainy. Um, and then Mount St. Helens was really hard. We had a permit day and we had a bike ride to get there and, and, I should know not to use Google maps for bicycle routes because it sent us on this route that um, was not going to work. And we got to the sign that said dead end. And we talked to some locals and they're like, you, you probably can't go that way. I don't know if the roads go through. And so we, and, and even if you Google map around Ellensburg, it takes you to some really weird places um, <laughs> and uh, some, some roads that don't, you know, have been decommissioned and aren't there. So um, anyway, we ended up having to ride 125 miles on the hottest day of the year um, and we got to the trailhead at about 10 PM and we're like, well, this is our permit day. We need to like start climbing the mountain right now. Um, there was no water at the trailhead, uh, and we were, it had been really hot. And so that was another really challenging mountain. So the circumstances of those most challenging peaks have a lot, lot to do with where we were not necessarily the peaks themselves. Mm -hmm. When people who have climbed a lot of those mountains here, like what was your hardest peak? And I say St. Helens, a lot of them are like, what? That's one of the easiest peaks, but, um, not for us. Tell you what, I'm, I'm nowhere near the, I'm not even on page one of your climbing resume, but I've, I've climbed a little, I, I can tell you the very first time I ever climbed Mount St. Helens, I was in maybe not the best shape of my life, but really good shape. But I was not, I've never obviously been on the moon, but climbing those boulders and getting on the ash part of Mount St. Helens where you step one and slide down, uh, you know, a half a step, that was the most mentally, I was not mentally ready for Mount St. Helens. And my, my dad, who was, he was much more the mountain climber who was trying to climb his own personal, uh, I guess you could say uh, ring of fire, at least for the, the Pacific Northwest mountains. He said Mount Baker was the most demanding to him mentally because just getting there, just getting there was such a very difficult hike. Um, and he was so mentally done before they even got on the snow, so to speak. And, and, uh, uh, but I've also been told Mount Adams is kind of a boring climb maybe, but I don't, I mean, all these, all these mountains have their own unique thing. I would imagine. I mean, that, that's one of the cool things about the, the, the Cascades. And that was the other thing is just to appreciate as much beauty as possible over mm -hmm. the summer. And the Cascades are an amazing place. Washington state is an amazing place. And 
the, you know, we don't have to go to faraway exotic places to appreciate world-class uh, scenery. And so, and, and they're all the mountains are very different from each other. The volcanoes have really different climbing and shapes and, and scenery than the other mountains, but even the, the mountains with different rock types, the Stewart range is really different from the mountains in Chelan, which are really different from the mountains in the North Cascades national park. Um, and so it's just really, it's not like every mountain is just, Oh, you're doing it again. Each of those hundred peaks has a spectacular view and different, different scenery, different vegetation, different, different, and, and so, and, and just beauty in so many different ways. Right. Do you have another climb or, or, um, yeah, do you have another, yeah, a jaunt on your, on your, on your list for next summer? I mean, how do you follow this up? Well, I think the, I, I again have to go and, and really thank the, uh, all the other coaches who covered for me during summer <laughs> training. Um, and obviously our team came into the season really fit. I joke, well, maybe you don't need me at all. And, uh, <laughs> and, and some of them got kind of, got it kind of, uh, grim faced at that. And they said, no, you are not going away again. Um, and so, uh, so they were, I, I just appreciate them, all, all the coach being willing to, to, to keep, I mean, cause kids have to run in the summer. Um, and it's so much more fun for them to run in the summer when there's like a group and, a, mm-hmm. and something organized for them. And so I think that's, um, and, and we make summer running super fun. Um, we try to do all sorts of fun things. The captains are really involved in trying to do fun activities for the kids. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so one thing that I, I'm definitely, I'm going to be supporting our, our athletes in summer training. And so that those, our other coaches don't have to do that. Um, I definitely want to do some, some stuff in the mountains. I mean, I love being in the mountains. Um, kind of, uh, I, I, one, one of the things that being human powered is, is maybe think about appreciating things that are closer to home. Uh, so mm-hmm. doing climbs in the Stewart range and around the enchantments, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rock climbs that I would love to do there. Um, but things will be of shorter duration than last summer. Well, coach, I really appreciate, uh, the time that you took. I want to congratulate, uh, you and your program, uh, not just a team. I think a program is more, all encompassing of, of the, you know, uh, maybe a lifelong or, or high school long commitment that these, uh, young men and women have. And so I just, as a, as a local sports fan, I just am, we're just very impressed with the cross country program and, and, uh, and hats off to you and, and, uh, and Langdon and in terms of your, your quest. And I know that once it's in your blood, it never, it never goes away. So, but again, hats off to you and the team and, and then you and Langdon and your own personal endeavors and, and, uh, can't wait to, uh, see what, uh, the rest of the season has in store for, for them in 2024. All right. Well, thanks so much. I wanted to say two other shout outs. Yeah. Uh, the first shout out, uh, I don't know if, the boy, our boys team was the academic state champions as well. Oh, I have so, that on my, yeah. on my list of notes. I wanted to talk about that too. Yeah. So congrats to them too. So that's, that's pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, just in the terms of the summer, it being so difficult, I was going to just shout out to Langdon cause I wouldn't have made it without originally I hatched this idea and I didn't know if there's anyone who would even want to do it. And then, uh, when Langdon joined in, um, you know, that was, that was great, but I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have made it without him. So I just really appreciate uh, his companionship and support. 
And we really and thank you guys. Yeah. For, well, I'm I'm glad that we can be a, a, a sounding board for you and and be a, a megaphone and and celebrating celebrating the team. So, uh, Coach, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and and uh, um, keep the team healthy and in shape. And I know we'll be talking with you around this time next year as well. All right, sounds good. Appreciate well, you, Coach. Guys. Thanks, Coach. Well, as promised, we are back here with our special guest, Alex McCrindle from the Gunnison Times. Is it Gunnison Country Times, uh, Alex? It is, it is country, exactly, yeah. The Gunnison Country Times is here. He's going to talk uh, a little D2 football, obviously, with uh, Western Colorado hosting Central Washington University. Uh, Alex, I'm sure you got some stats, maybe even some, some trash talk as well, but I just really appreciate <laughs> you taking the time over the phone today. Yeah, I know. Thank you so much for having me, John. I appreciate it. So the biggest thing is, I mean, obviously playoff football is on a grand stage, but literally and figuratively, it is on a grand stage because I, I believe the field is, I mean, it's still sparkling and, and the, the paint is still drying. I mean, can you, can you tell us about what uh, uh, Western Colorado has done to, is it Mountaineer Field, what, what they've done to that, uh, to that field? Yeah, yeah, and no, I think the official title is it's it's been Mountaineer Bowl for a long time. Mountaineer Bowl, uh, it was re- it was renovated um, just this last year. We've been waiting a long time to, to to see a game in it. I think it might have been changed to the Rady Sports Complex. I'm not entirely sure on uh, on names exactly. It's you know it's funny. There's a lot of it that's still still under construction. Um, I think at the moment it's just the bleachers, the stands, and the turf that's that's all ready to go. But we're uh, we're awfully excited to to see a game played on it. So, so has uh, uh, the Mountaineers have they been playing elsewhere or how? What is their the logistics of the season been like? Yeah, so exactly. So, so two or three years ago, Western renovated a new soccer stadium, and mm-hmm. that's even at a higher elevation than the Mountaineer Bowl. I, I want to say that's at seven eight seven thousand eight hundred feet, mm-hmm. um, and it's right above the Mountaineer Bowl on a hill. Um, it has a lot smaller stands and it's, uh, you know, kind of one of those weirdly painted fields that has soccer lines and track lines, yeah. and football lines. And that's the Cadia Rady field. And they've been, uh, they've been playing all their football games the last two seasons up there. So what, uh, so just to be able to, and I, I, I believe it's official. They'll be playing at the Rady family sports complex. You're right. I'm on Western's, uh, Western's, mm-hmm. uh, football site right now. And so, um, obviously Got it. You must have a great feeling coming into the playoffs, ten and one on the season. But is it nice to truly be playing, truly, truly on the home field? You know, I talked to a lot of the seniors this year, and they were all really deflated to go into the season and not have that that brand new shining sports complex to uh, to get their to play their final their final season in. Um, and and hearing their excitement to play in this this level of a game, um, you know, obviously against a great opponent, being being the local college up there. Um, it's a really great morale boost for this town and, and that team specifically. I think they're going to go into it a lot more um, driven and, and just get to play on, in front of a larger crowd logistically, which is really exciting. I can tell you what, we'll talk about the game and the teams uh, here in just a second, but uh, Central Washington, we renovated Tomlinson Stadium uh, a handful of years ago to where um, – uh, ripped out the grass, and I'm a purist. I like grass field, but <laughs> even I will say 
uh, field turf painted really nice. So we, we got new field turf. We took out the track. So uh, things are a little bit more uh, intimate, shall you say. Uh, video know. board. We have a, a, a raised kind of like berm where alumni can look down onto the field. Really big improvement. And it is done. And obviously, we you got to have a good product on the field. But attendance has gone through the roof. And it wasn't, I thought, well, you'll get a short-term bump in attendance because people want to see the nice, shiny new thing. But hopefully <laughs> you'll see the same at Western Colorado as fans are going to want to see. Obviously, the football team is doing their part, 10-1 and one on the season, knocking off a, a couple of Lone Star Conference teams to open up the season mm-hmm. and everything. So um, I, I hope to see that it creates more football onlookers it turns into fans as well so um uh, i hope it's a packed house um uh this weekend which brings me to to the season in, itself 10 and 1 on the year the only blemish is to the number one team in the land who of course happens to be in division two super region four uh taken or losing to colorado school of the mines but um after that, you guys bounce back with convincing victories over Fort Lewis and, and Adams State. And so, you know, you're, it's a relative unknown. This is the first time that Central Washington has played Western Colorado. Uh, but And you've kind of already said it. Seniors got to be just like drooling at the chance to continue their seasons on a brand new f- field and everything. No, it, it should be a really special environment. Um, we're, we're expecting a, a really big community, uh, community outpouring. There's been a lot of excitement. And, and just for contextual purposes as well, we, we're coming off of a really exciting uh, Gunnison High School season where the, the girls' volleyball team and the boys' football team both made really strong pushes in state. So there's a lot of people in this town that are um, ripping and rearing to go. Um, over at the Mountaineer, Mountaineer Bowl on Saturday, excuse me. Um, but just, just talking about the schedule as well, I mean, we, you know, nobody really knew what to expect from West Texas A&M and, and Texas Permian Basin going into the season. We, uh, I talked to a lot of the players fairly consistently just, just with my sports editor position. And um, it's, it's the first season we haven't played a real big top dog. I, I think the Wildcats had to play uh, Weber State. I think mm-hmm. right into the Yep. Um, and, and now looking at the 10 and one Texas Permian Basin team that I, I believe knocked, knocked the Wildcats over in the last game of the regular they got season. Good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's a real positive that we were able to scrape past them week two. That's, that's definitely been a big talking point, um, on the side of the Valley. What, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think the Mountaineers went to, uh, the playoffs last, uh, Last year or two years ago, they got knocked off by Nebraska Kearney. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, you said you weren't quite sure what to expect this year, but it seems like Western Colorado has been kind of, you know, the playoffs or, or or the RMAC title. You have to beat Western Colorado to, to get there. So is it nice to know that maybe they're – and I'm talking to you like you're a coach or a player, of course, but <laughs> you're an alum, as you mentioned before we hit record and everything like that, obviously a fan. So is it nice to know that maybe there's a little bit of target on the back and, and uh, you know, the the national title, you got to beat Western Colorado to get there? You know, it, it, it definitely is, and it, it's nice that we've made some separation, especially with um, Adam State, Fort Lewis, Colorado Mesa. Um, there's been a lot of very intense rivalry between those schools for the last – you know, over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a really positive um, last five or so years for us. Of course, having mines up north and golden has always been an intimidating factor uh, going into that game this season. 
um, you know, everybody in the town knows it's going to be different. Uh, it's going to be a really tough, tough contest. And, you know, looking at, and I wasn't actually able to attend that game. We had a sports editor that was, and was able to be in the locker room and on the bus rides at the meals. Um, and, and there was a real sense of, of nerve going into that game in Golden. And, and they, they showed us, you know, just, just the, the difference between the two schools. Um, so that was, that was a tough loss this season. And a lot of the players had to take some time mentally to, to recover and bounce back from that. But as far as our mat goes, it is nice to know that we've, we've taken a, taken a couple leaps and bounds in the last couple of years. And it seems like I'm, I'm looking at Armac's uh, uh, stats and on their site, and and uh, is it Davon Butler? They he, uh, he leads the the league in in uh, rushing with just a shade under 91 yards a game, or yeah, 91 yards a game. The biggest thing that jumps out to me is that dude can score 17 touchdowns. Um, man, oh man! I mean, it looks like they put it in the air as well. But is that the the kind of the go to guy? At least on the stats, it looks like seventeen touches. Man, jeez! You know, Davon has he's had a long uh, tenure at Western as well. He has a, a really big leadership uh, role in the locker room, especially with Drew Nash um, being a younger guy and still finding his his leadership ability. Davon's been huge for us on the offense. Um, and there's a, a lot of um, really impressive defensive leadership as well. Kendall Lightfoot, for example, being mm-hmm. being massive in that. But but as far as scoring on offense, Davon's definitely been the, the the go-to target in the backfield for sure. And and uh, I want to say Braden Hogan, he's got nine scores as well. I mean, uh-huh. gee, many Christmas. That's 26 just between the two of them. Uh, and and you mentioned uh, Kendall Lightfoot. Uh, you know, five and a half sacks. It looks like he's uh, bringing guys down seven, seven tackles a game. So, um, is there a strength? Would you say offense a decent? What What's the strength? Uh, what side of the ball is stronger? That, that's a really impressive question, and it, it's funny because I I don't have an answer for it necessarily. Um, I, I think the strength of this team is is the the culture and the community they've built under head coach Jas Baines. Um, it's, it's been a really impressive, I mean, look, talking to a lot of the guys, they use the term brotherhood, um, which very standard term in, in, in football teams, but just seeing the way that they interact, the way they play for each other, um, getting to be in their locker room at some home games and, and just firsthand seeing, um, how they're playing for each other. The, the leadership on this team, I think is the, the greatest superpower, um, of them. They hold each other accountable. They play for each other, and it's it's been really special to see. Um, I personally, I think defensively they've been stronger, um, but then you have some electric uh, performances from Drew Nash and and Davon Butler that mm-hmm. have really you know <laughs> put put points on the board. So definitely, it's uh, it's hard to say which side which side is better. But I, I just definitely wouldn't say to underestimate the defense. It's been you know it's been I- really impressive. I, I know that, uh, uh, let's see, is it, yeah, Drew Nash, uh, your quarterback there, um, when they do put it in the air, uh, I hope, and I'm talking, I mean, this is obviously podcast, so maybe media, but I'm a Central Washington alum, and, and I live in Ellensburg here, so I'm, I'm totally uh, wearing my crimson colored glasses, but I hope Drew oh, Nash and team uh, have uh, a problem, because Tanner Volk uh, is our safety, who's got 11 picks on the year leads the nation. Um, I don't know if it's all of NCAA, but definitely leads Division Two football with 11 picks on the year. I think he's ranked 10th in the nation uh, for for tackles as well. So I, I hope 
that we create a, a problem to make you guys one-dimensional, which means that means you're leaning on your, your running back, which we've already talked about. you got 26 touchdowns between your top two running backs. So um, is there is – there, uh, will you be uh, at the game as a fan? Are you going to be covering it? Uh, how much uh, – what kind of effort are you putting into this game in, in terms of working or yelling? You know, it's going to be a little of both, which is always a fun, fun part of being an alumni and, and a sports journalist. Um, of, of course, it's always different when you're at sports that you, you're, you're passionate about and you want to see these guys do well. Mm-hmm. Um, talk, talking about, you know, forcing our offense to be one-dimensional. If you look at the game against Mines, um, some really uncharacteristic mistakes from Drew Nash and uh, the receiving team our passing game was really stifled mm-hmm. um, by the ore diggers that day. And, um, and defensively, you know, able to get some stops, but just our offense had no traction. Right. You know, that's, that's definitely a, a weak point, but I think they've grown a lot since then. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that they get Dave on running and, and also drew some time to um, just kind of work his way into the game. And, and yeah, I think he as a quarterback really took a, a couple steps up in maturity after that that outing against mines, but, um, it'll be, it'll be a really fun day for all of us in Gunnison. You know, it's been snowing all morning. Um, <laughs> so it's, it, it, it might be a cold one for, for the wildcats and, and elevation is always a really fun factor that we like to, uh, we have some, some fun chants and stuff. Isn't getting, it in hydration drinks? Isn't break, it scripted me. on, on the, the pant legs of, of, uh, in the uniforms like elevation yeah. or seventy seven twenty three? I I can't remember what the exact number is. Yeah, so it's down the down the side of the the leg on the on the pants. It's seven thousand seven hundred and three. Wow, which is a number a number that most Western students have memorized by by the end of their freshman year because the freshman dorms are at the top of the hill. It's uh, Western's campus. It's like a a full hazing ritual having to walk that hill every day, especially <laughs> for someone like me coming from Arizona. It's uh, you really start to feel the elevation in those early fall months, getting to getting to class on time. So I'm, I'm I was going to ask you. You pretty much already answered it, though. I mean, obviously, I do a little hiking and stuff like that, and I'm not trying to toot the horn. So elevation gain is a big deal. We're at a little bit over 1,500 feet here in Ellensburg, so that's that's nothing. Is it? I mean, to me, that's a legit. Um, I don't know if you call it a stat, but that's a legit factor in any road trip. Is that elevation. I mean, gee, many Christmas, that's high. You know, and I think a lot of coaches play it down. Um, but I, I really think that it plays a, plays a big factor. And it's something in the locker room that um, opposing teams really have to condition for and prep for. Um, coming from 3,300 down in Tucson up to 7,700, I mean, you notice just your lung capacity isn't, right. uh, isn't what you hope it to be. You know, and and it's it's significant. I think we're the tallest collegiate football field you in are. America. You are, um, and it might be the world, but that you know it depends on how we advertise it. Right. Um, and 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 it's you know it's it's always it's always great to have home field advantage. That's why it's a real pleasure for us getting to host this game, and and if it goes our way, host the next game as well, because um, we love bringing bringing other teams up to this. Uh, the spot we got in the mountains. So, I mean, uh, obviously I can't even believe I'm asking this as a central Washington graduate and fan, but on the idea that you guys get, get by central, uh, most likely you're playing Permian basin again. Uh, and then on the idea you beat Permian basin, um, I mean, odds on, 
odds are you're going over to Golden and to, to play Mines as well. I mean, do you look that far? You're not a coach. You're not a player, so you can't look <laughs> that far. But do you, have you thought of it like that, or is it just mostly let's just focus on Central? You know, it's, it's fun being a part of, uh, you know, actually being interviewed compared to interviewing because I'm almost always on the other side of the yeah of the, the recording. But, um, you know, every coach is going to say one game at a time. Go, don't get, uh, you know, your eyes too high. But after that Mines game, the one thing on every single Mountaineer player's mind was was playing Golden again and, and mm-hmm. taking those ore diggers down. Um, and that was a, a consistent topic that came up in a lot of my interviews with some of those Mountaineer players. Um, of course they want to face mines again, but Permian Basin has had a, a great season. We played them early. We sneaked past them. Um, I don't even remember the score of that. I can pull it up, but they're, uh, they're a tough 35, 27. So it was a one score game. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a close one and the Wildcats are going to present a really tough challenge too, um, with a really great winning record on your side. So, Trying not to get too too worked up about it. I think those guys are just really excited to, like you mentioned previously in the interview, just just host a game um, at our new facility and uh, and see what what goes from there. Well, I hope to create fits uh, before we. Uh... Before we started the interview, I told you I wasn't going to put you on the spot with any hard questions, but I lied. <laughs> Got to give me a score. Give me a score. Give me a, give me a game result. <sighs> You know, I, I'm I'm trying not to smack talk too much. <laughs> uh, that was that was a, a a big part of this. I you know I'm I'm more of a fan than I am an expert. Is is the truth? Um, I'm gonna say it's a two touchdown game, yep. and that's gonna be fairly high scoring. I'm gonna say it's gonna be. I'm gonna say forty two twenty eight Mountaineers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the on the opposite. I okay. I expect this to be uh, more defensive than offensive. Um, I got great hopes in our in our offense led by uh, Kennedy McGill and and our, our running back uh, Tyler Flanagan, who's done very well for us. But I I kind of see this as a defensive battle. Uh, but I I would agree. I'm not an expert. I just know what I've been cheering for <laughs> for the last handful of. Well, last few decades, we'll just say, and and I see this as being more of a a twenty one seventeen kind of battle. Obviously, I'm going to go yeah. for my Wildcats there. So, um, if I'm right, I guarantee you, I'm going to be texting you. Uh, if I'm wrong, <laughs> I'm going to decline every call and text you give me. But uh, um, I just hope for a fun game and and what looks to be a a, a really cool field that's still literally taking shape. So, um, oh, definitely. Yeah, but anyway, like I said, fans, Alex McCrindle, he will be at the game as a fan, a little bit of a reporter, a little bit of all of the above. Uh, hopefully, Alex, you find some time to maybe tailgate a little bit with uh, with what I hope is a sellout crowd of uh, friends or family. But, um, you know, thanks for taking the time. Good luck to your, to your Mountaineers, but not too much luck because I got to go with my Wildcats. Hey, thank you so much for having me, John. It's been a real pleasure. Alex, thanks thanks again for calling in. And uh, Kittitas Valley Sports Talk fans, we will be right back after this break. That was a lot of talent on those calls. <laughs> yes, it was fun. We Have we had any episodes where we had two people come on at the same time? Maybe, but I don't want to think that hard. <laughs> it's going to be fun so, to, to hear back, to listen back to that. I know. To both back to back. You know, the one thing... The, the thing that Coach Hashimoto talked about that I was expecting, but it still kind of blew me away, was like the, the sense of community 
like he, he'll talk about stats and wins and losses and PRs and stuff like that. But he's all about building a community. And if you have a hundred plus kids, and from what it sounds like, seventy-eight coaches, volunteer or not, right? Uh, that just to me says, you know what? I think we're doing the right thing, right? Well, I, I think, think we're building the right thing. You know, I think that's the beauty of individual sports as a coach is that you can spend a heck of a lot more time, you know, building people in love for the sport and and things like that, and less worry about I need to win because you you don't get to you get to win if these other you know it's an individual thing. So it's so it's such a different dynamic than like a basketball team, right? Where my job is to win basketball games and his job is to create an environment where people love to run, you know? So it's a different, it's a different type of coaching that goes into it. And man, he does a fantastic job because those kids, I tell you, there's no way in high school you're going to find me in the summer running in the heat, (laughs) being happy with smile. None of them look like they're, they're in agony or, you know, hating themselves. And, and uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he promoted, hey, honk and wave. Yeah. Honk right. and honk, wave. Honk and wave. If you see them, go down Fenning in the summer. Yep. You'll see a bunch of kids running around. Uh, or North Alder, North Alder Park. Right. Yeah. North Alder Park, yeah. which I didn't know because I don't I don't go down that way. That but doesn't go in your, that's not on your route. No, yeah. but I honk and wave. And uh, yeah, congratulations on a fantastic season to coach. And, and a fantastic program that continues to, to build and build. And that leads us into our second interview, uh, Alex McCrindle. He, what I liked about it is he's clearly a fan, less about the stats. And, and guys like us, we have to get into the stats when we want to. But, man, we just like watching football. And it's so right. clear that he just, he he's, He's clearly a mountaineer, uh, you know, a recent grad going into this job at the the Gunnison uh, uh, Times, and and he just he loves covering the the college or the university. He loves seeing what they're doing. They're putting the, the money they're putting into the program in terms of uh, you know a new field, new stands, new press box, uh, new field house, and everything like that. Um, but. Literally and figuratively, it's going to be a tall order for for the Wildcats with that seventy seven hundred uh, foot elevation. That's oh, going to be it's going to be brutal. Yeah, yeah. We talked about it. It's going to be bad. And and one thing I do that I did get hope from listening to that is that knowing that this is their first game on the field, it's it's a different it's it's an event. Yeah, it's big, and you know it's it's there's a different energy going in. Like we saw it when we played West was it West Texas when yep. we opened up, and yep. it was. Not the game we expected to have, and right. uh, you know, it, it's hard to call a place home that you've never touched foot on. Well, so and, and, it, well, we'll and you heard—I totally interrupted you. I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. you heard him say how like the seniors are really, really, really looking forward to this. And I, in my head, now that I have had time to like let that marinate, okay, well, maybe they'll be too too emotional, too wound up, right? You know, well, hopefully, it, who knows? Yeah. I'm looking for any edge I can get because exactly. when you talk to a guy who's not only a fan but like follows the team, I didn't necessarily feel better about our chances coming out of it, you know? Yeah, uh, but I feel good about the the Wildcats, like what yeah. you and I were talking about. We're one of the top 28 teams in the nation, that's right, uh, according to the bracket, and. Um, we deserve to be here. Absolutely. And we've seen what this team does when, when offense is is firing, when defense is firing, yeah. that we, we are a team to be reckoned with. And seeing McGill step up, playing like every game he's getting better. Every game so. he's bringing something to the table that's just a little bit different than the game before. So uh, 
I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be defensive battle. If I had to pick, I saw yours was 21-17. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I'm going to go a little bit lower, and I'm going to say 17-10 Wildcats. Wow. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. And that 17 is going to come off of uh, a Tanner Volk interception that goes back to the house in the fourth quarter. And that we can't segue any better than what you just set yes. me up with. Yes, with, you're, you're talking about the defensive player of the year. The defensive player of the year. The Lone Star Conference came out. We're recording this part of the podcast on, on Thursday afternoon. Lone Star Conference came out this morning with uh, with their end-of-season um Honors and Tanner Volk, much deserved. Yes, uh, I don't want to say it was it. There was in no way a surprise, but at the same time, we we're still excited to see that uh, number forty-four got Defensive Player of the Year. Well, you know, you're, we could be laser focused on our own guys, and we could miss the guy at you know Kingsville who's got thirty-two sacks. I mean, you know, yeah. and that does yeah. something crazy. Uh, but it seemed like a shoe in, right? The Tanner Volk it just it was every week. If you go look at Defensive Player of the Weeks. Oh. In the Lone Star Conference, yeah. you're going to see uh, Tanner Volk's name listed all over there. And the guy just had a fantastic year, and he got the J.V. Sykes Award, which I don't know who that is. Do you know who J.V. Sykes is? Uh, no, we'll get the okay. uh, research team on that one. Uh, but Flanagan, Tyler Flanagan. Yes. Central Washington University again, offensive back of the year. Um, and he, he had a great season. Uh, he was he was good. 101 yards per game, I think it was. Yeah, and, and we all came in thinking it was going to be Henderson. You know, yeah. conference preseason player of the year, and and Flanagan comes in and says, nah, I'm <laughs> I'm the running back. This is, you know, and he well, we don't know the situation what's going on there, but Henderson hasn't. We haven't seen him get the ball as yeah. much, and Flanagan uh, has taken the reins and been like, I can handle this, and right. he's done a great job with it. So, as we wrap things up, you've already given your score. I gave my score. So seventeen ten for you, twenty one seventeen. Are you nervous or are you just excited to be here kind of thing? I'm happy to be here. I think with with everything that we went through this year, um, struggling to find, play at quarterback, and like the fact that we were able to pull this off after you know mm-hmm. losing to Montana Tech, I was like, I was ready to throw it. We're done. We're good. We're, we yeah. got nowhere to go. And so uh, for the guys to pull it together and play the way that they did and pull out victories, I mean, it it's everything I wanted as a, right. as a player at this point to have a team to cheer for. So... Um, they're they're in my bracket going all the way to, to win it yeah. all because because as a fan that's what I want I know it's going to be uphill we got some quality teams just in our region I mean it feels like every year it goes through this region and uh, super uh, region three yes yes, yeah. yes that that's that's where you're going to find most of the teams that win it yeah no I mean when we're looking at I mean, we have our brackets right here, and no disrespect to Super Region 1, who, at least in my knowledge, I don't think has ever won yeah. uh, a Division Two championship. And if they have, it hasn't been in the, in the last 25, 30 years. But, um, you know, you've got those... Those like Florida, Alabama teams. So in Super Region Two, you got West Florida, Delta State, Valdosta State. They're all in it, and they've all won yes. uh, championships in the last, well, last five years definitely, but last uh, a handful for each of them in the last twenty years. Um, but yeah, that Super Region Three that would keep me up at night. Yeah, you got number one Harding, which I believe is number one because they're undefeated, of upsets and stuff like that, but. <laughs> You got Grand Valley State playing Fair State. There, there you go. There's another one. So there's a huge push. Is this that the is opening all... round? What's that? Grand Valley and Ferris in the opening round. Yeah, 
So they're they're league foes. Yes, they are um, at the D two football dot com poll. They're both in the maybe top five, definitely in the both in the top ten. But so in the regionalization, it I guess it makes sense to a certain extent. But that means you got the two best teams. What some consider the two of the best teams in the country. One of them's going to get knocked off in the first round. In the first round. Now the flip side is. One of them's going to get knocked off anyway, but you know you kind of don't want that to happen until the you know no, the last round. No, or two. And, and I, if I remember correctly, that was a pretty tight game, wasn't it? The game that they played uh, in years past. Yes, this year um, Grand Valley was, stuck it, it to was, them. Yeah, Grand Valley got them. Okay, and Grand Valley's only loss is to Colorado Mines, who is number one in our region, <laughs> the and, favorite uh, to walk through it all. Uh, just kind of walk through, and mm-hmm. I think uh, it's yeah. hard to say that they're not. Based yeah. off of what they've done in their body of work. Yeah. So we'll just see. The good thing is, and I think we've mentioned it, I think we even mentioned it earlier today, is is that we, um, the last time I checked is is uh, games weren't won on the sheet of paper and not, written no, the bracket on. Not so, at all. No. Um, no. So we'll see. No, and it only takes a little bit. And it takes somebody stepping up. on. I, in fact, when I did this, I had mostly fives beating fours all the way through um let me see what i have i do i'm half and half yeah i'm half and half on that so um i thought we were going to wrap it up but i have one more question that i have not prepared you for Ooh. given in the spirit of the season football season of okay course, playoff i didn't season, know if you meant like thanksgiving and given or... the, the the fact that the wiaa has switched things up one of your family traditions yes. is to go watch all the games in one venue. And now that, you know, the last couple of years, they put them on multiple venues. Now that it's back in one venue, Husky Stadium, will you be texting me in the beginning of December saying, watching my sixth game of the weekend? I hope so. Uh, you know, I haven't really considered it. I considered it when I heard, but I hadn't considered it since then. I need that weekend. What is it, the third I think second it's and December second and third or or first and second whatever that that oh that yeah first and that. second first and second yeah man let's see mm. to be TBD it no uh, matter what is it better it's now better that it's in one venue it's better to have it in one venue yeah I do think having Husky it, Stadium the crown jewel correct but in December it is cold. So even lining up when we when I was going in the Kingdom and the Tacoma Dome, I remember days where it was like really freezing, and I'm like bundled up waiting outside. And so the thought of being outside mm-hmm. that whole time on those days doesn't sound intriguing. In Are the dome was great. You won't you won't be in the 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 club suites uh, with hot chocolate or whatever beverage you want. You're going to be outside. I thought Sammy Henderson was more of a baller. Um, I have connections that if I if I needed to pull out, I could. But I I'd try to experience it first. To that see. would be cold. It would be cold, and I don't know. I mean, it would be. I would go through a lot of nachos. Yeah, a lot of hot chocolate, a lot yeah. of popcorn. So midway through like a one a 1A game, I might be passed out in the seats. <laughs> I, so I I don't know. It's a big stadium. It, the Tacoma Dome was nice because it it wasn't as big as the Kingdom. Yeah, and when it got full with like three H four H, it got pretty big, but it seemed a little bit more intimate. And so Husky Stadium will be a little bit bigger. I want, I'm interested to see where they're going to put all the seating. I'm guessing all one level. Yeah, 
um, on the bottom. Uh, it'll, 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 it would be fun to be there the whole time. I, w- I would love to. I wish it would be like 65 and a little bit sunny. Mm-hmm. That would be ideal. But yeah. I, Not gonna happen go. in I, might, I might go over for a day. Okay. I might right. go over for a day. Right. Friday would be the day. Well, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank uh, Devin at Country Financial Insurance, um, a proud sponsor of us, best hair in the business, <laughs> took care of you with your little uh, fiasco when you were on your on your Texas trip. Uh, Devin Shannon, go go take a go give him a call or or uh, stop by his office. Say hi to him on the corner of Third and Pearl, or basically on the corner of Third and Pearl there. But I want to say thanks to Devin and and Country Insurance. But and want to say thanks to all of you for for listening and and uh and uh, make sure you're cheering on your your teams make sure you're cheering on the wildcats if you can't make it to that game that that short trip to gunnison colorado uh you know you can find it you can go on wildcatsports.com and find the link to their to the the video stream there is a paywall there but it's wildcat sports in the playoffs so it's definitely worth worth it it's definitely worth it in my opinion so sammy any parting words for you? Yay sports. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got. Yay sports. <laughs> <laughs>